don't know, like, can you get to be Santa's age and have, like, that good teeth if you've lived that long and you're eating Christmas candy all the time? <laughs> Welcome to Psychocinematic, a podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fanasia. I'd like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording this podcast on today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I'd like to pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that I am recording on stolen land, that sovereignty was never ceded and this is, was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'd like to introduce my guests today, Emily and Heather, who are on the land of the Darug and Gurungai peoples. Thank you so much for joining me, Emily and Heather. Uh, Emily, would you like to start by introducing yourself first? Yeah, sure. I'm Emily. <laughs> I'm a book nerd who loves a good cup of tea, cats and snail mail. I live with several dynamic disabilities and I'm part of the neurodiverse squad as well as a disability advocate. I have a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature and I haven't quite been able to use my knowledge on Shakespeare yet in a <laughs> nine-to-five job, but I have a passion for how stories help us see, shape and understand ourselves and the world. I've worked in the disability sector for a while and at the beginning of this year trained to become a return to work coordinator, um, supporting people return to work after getting COVID. At the moment, I'm in sort of a rest and recovery phase and I'm enjoying cuddles from my cat Jackio and playing a lot of Disney Dreamlight Valley. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Heather, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Sure. Hello, I'm Heather. I'm a singer and lover of music and films, and I like collecting records. Um, I also have several dynamic disabilities, and I'm part of the Neurodiverse Squad as well. I'm passionate about inclusion and accessibility for all, I love my cat, Jackie O, and I love Grogu, which you might know as Baby Yoda. <laughs> and that's a bit about me. Awesome. Thank you. And so I guess I haven't really shared that you're sisters and you live together. Yes. Is that right? Awesome. We share the same cat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the reason why I've invited slash forced you both on the podcast tonight, I've been following you both uh, on Instagram for some time. Also, Heather, you're amazing on TikTok. You're a fantastic singer, so everyone should check you out. So I, I think we've forgotten something about Heather that is instrumental to her bio. As oh, my goodness. My yes. job as older sister, I have to point mm. this out. <laughs> Please share. I'll let Heather share, but... She has a great relationship with Teletubbies and Nile Horan. And could you please explain so, that in more detail? Basically, one day I made a TikTok saying that Nile Horan from One Direction should dress up as a Teletubby for Halloween. And I was like, lol, ha ha ha, as if anyone's going to see this. Because I think at the time I had like less than 10,000 followers on TikTok, like, I was just posting random stuff and then I don't know how, but he found it and he commented on the video and was like, can you turn your duets on Heather? And I was oh like, my God. wow. And then like two days later, he duetted it and dressed up as a Teletubby and I lost my mind. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. And that's basically my only personality trait now. 
So shall we get started with what we're covering today, Falling for Christmas? And I'm really glad we're covering this movie today because uh, Emily and I were talking about you know, what we could do for a Christmas movie. And then I think, Emily, you mentioned that this was coming out and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll watch it and see whether it's worth covering. And it absolutely is. I guess to start with, Emily and Heather, do you want to share sort of when the movie came out, like why you thought it would be worth talking about? I thought I saw Lindsay Lohan and I was like, I'm in because she is just <laughs> iconic, like obviously Mean Girls, everything like that. But then also she did this like reality TV show about mm. opening a, was it a bar or like something in Mykonos? Oh, yeah. And she was just the iconic. final episode. Okay. Um, yeah, it was so good. And ever since then, I'm just like anything she does, I'm invested in. It's amazing how her resurgence has become so like universally like celebrated and cheered on. I don't know if it's because we've kind of realized our part in how the careers of sort of child stars and female celebrities who are quite young, how what happened to Britney Spears became more in the sort of vernacular of the media is very much perpetuates or what happens to those stars. And I feel like we kind of feel guilty about our part in a little bit now, now that Britney's free from her conservatorship and that's kind of taught us a few things, I guess. And Absolutely. It's, it's almost a bit of a redemptive experience for people like Lindsay. What about you, Emily? Well, to be honest, I actually don't really like Christmas movies and <laughs> But, like, Heather can attest, like, I don't watch rom-coms much or, like, much of this genre at all. But but when I saw Lindsay Lohan, I was just intrigued because she was singing, I think, Jingle Bell Rock or it hinted to that in the trailer. Mm. And she had this iconic pink ski jumpsuit, which kind of reminded me of Mean Girls. Mm. And... It was probably the first hallmark Christmassy rom-com that actually made me want to watch. (laughs) And I also love how iconic Lindsay Lohan is. And I don't know, I'm just really interested in who Lindsay Lohan is as an adult. Mm. And the trailer just looks so much fun. And as I said, I'm not attracted to these movies. So I was just really curious. That was kind of my sort of vibe with it as well. Like I don't think I've actually watched a Hallmark Christmas movie from start to finish. And I love like the classic Christmas movies, but like I don't seek them out. Like I haven't really watched any of those Netflix ones, but this is the only one I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. (laughs) Yeah. And as you could probably tell from the podcast, we don't really tend to review rom-coms. I mean, you know, they're a particular genre. They're sort of what I watch when I am sick and don't want to think at all. So, yes, very similar sort of experience there. Also in the movie is called Overstreet, I believe, who was in Glee. Right. See, I've never watched Glee. I did watch Glee. I think it's trash now, but at the time I enjoyed it. And when I saw that he was going to be in it, I was like, ooh, my inner gleek came out. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I quite liked him. He's a good-looking guy. So a bit about Falling for Christmas. It was directed by Janine Damien, which was their first directed film. Also written by Janine Damien and a crew of writers, four writers, Um, and produced by Michael Damien and Brad Kevroy. It also started streaming on 
the 10th of November in 2022. So it's quite new. It's probably the newest movie we've actually covered on the podcast. We'll go through the plot. So spoiled hotel heiress Sierra Belmont has been newly appointed as vice president of atmosphere at the luxury ski resort in Aspen owned by her father Beauregard despite having no interest in the business. Just just one sec. I just didn't catch that his name was Beauregard. That's <laughs> that's a detail. While her father is away on business, Sierra goes up a mountaintop with her influencer boyfriend, Tad, for a photo shoot where he proposes to her. However, Sierra falls from the top of the mountain and is separated from Tad and she hits her head on a tree. Unconscious, Sierra is found by Jake Russell, who she bumped into earlier and is taken to a hospital. Sierra loses her memory due to the accident and the hospital staff is unable to verify her identity. Jake offers the amnesiac Sierra a place at his bed and breakfast hotel, the North Star Lodge, until she can remember who she is or someone comes to claim her. After taking the name Sarah from a stuffed toy that belongs to Jake's daughter, Arvi, Sierra decides to help him and his family at the lodge in hopes of getting her memory back. Sierra bonds with Jake and his family especially Arvi, as she finds out that she lost her mother a couple years ago and feels sympathy for her due to losing her own when she was younger. And this starts to trigger memories. As the hotel is struggling, Sierra comes up with a party to raise funds for the hotel. Meanwhile, Tad is lost in the woods and finds shelter with recluse Ralph, who takes him to town on foot. The hotel staff don't think to look for Sierra and Tad as they believe that they're away on a trip. After four days, Beauregard returns from his trip where he finds out that Sierra is missing and informs the sheriff who has just retrieved Tad and Ralph. At the party, the town comes together to support the North Star Lodge and give them lots lots of checks. Cash. Checks in 2022. So like, why does everybody have a check? Unless they wrote on the like, invitation, bring a check. Like, that was the so last strange. check I had was like Dolomites in primary school. <laughs> This movie is so unrealistic and this, I went off with Heather. I'm like, how do they have checks in this movie? Sorry, I'll it let you just seems discussing. I don't understand. Like even as a rich person, like it seems like a rich person thing to have checks, but it's still easier to use a multiple of different ways to give someone money. Literally, like Venmo, QR. like that's such a big thing in America, Venmo. Yeah, it's like it they picked really play up into the... The actual thing doesn't really play into the Christmas trope, like because a QR code wouldn't be very festive. <laughs> it could be like a red and green QR code. <laughs> so before Jake can thank Sierra, Tad and her father rush in to take her home, restoring her memory. On Christmas Day, Sierra does her own chores, much to the staff and Tad's surprise. Sierra decides she will do things for herself going forward and resigns from the position her father created for her, realizing the hotel business is not for her. Meanwhile, Avi reveals to Jake that her wish was for him to find love and convinces him to seek out Sierra. Sierra breaks off her engagement with Tad, who decides to date Sierra's assistant, and shortly after, Jake confesses his love to her. Sierra also decides to go back and help Jake run the North Star Lodge, especially when she finds out that it is sold out for the season after she tells the press they took care of her. Beauregard decides to invest in the North Star Lodge. The end with a very happy Christmas all together. The end. So a very <laughs> simplistic plot. Yes. The thing I'm most concerned about is the checks when there's so many unrealistic things <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> 
So one article that I came across basically had a lot of thoughts about it, but one major thought was that it's the same plot as Disney's Emperor's New Groove, only instead of a rich kid that's been turned into a llama and forced to team up with the poor person whose home is in trouble, she's a rich kid who's forgotten her memory, and the rest was the same. I love this. (laughs) But I get it. It's one of my favourite Disney films as well. It's so funny. Like the king doesn't necessarily forget who he is Mm. but but yeah they still go on a journey to self-discovery and learning that being a peasant maybe isn't so bad and I can you know think about other people and have empathy yeah exactly live a simpler life you could argue that that's basically every movie like a lot of these types of movies (laughs) have that similar plot point like most rom-coms like how to lose a guy in 10 days um Made in mm-hmm. Manhattan, What a Girl Wants, like those are just three off the top of my head, but they all have that similar kind of like plot as even Emperor's New Groove now that I'm thinking about it. That yeah. is true, but I I think it like it's also got that element of they both had like a development happening. Like for, mm. for Lindsay Lohan, she's got her dad's like huge hotel and the struggling lodge is struggle. you know, he's trying to save it through the dad and then Lindsay kind of helps it out in the end even though she doesn't really care at the beginning and that's kind of the same with Empress New Groove because they want to demolish um, the peasant's house for a a swimming pool. But the biggest question is who would be Kronk in Falling for Christmas? Like he makes the spinach. Yeah I was gonna say Tad. Yeah I feel like he's not gentle enough and he wouldn't make spinach puffs either. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because then there's not really a, oh, what's her name? Sorry, I've forgotten the the villain's name. Esma. Esma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Her iconic things that stick out of the back of her her clothes. What is it? The, like, peacock feather things. Yeah, a good example of how this costume slays in both <laughs> movies as well. Yes. And the eyelashes are, like, yes. on point as well. Same with Lindsay Lohan's eyelashes, actually, in this movie. And At the start, hair. anyway. I have several notes about her hair. Oh, yes. It's like me with the checks, except Heather's with Lindsay's hair. (laughs) Like, how is it always perfect? Yeah, it really is. Like, even when she falls off the cliff, like, it's barely got a hair out of place when she's in the hospital. Literally. And then when she's doing the hairdo, like, drying her hair um, with the daughter's hairdryer that she borrows, it all of a sudden is like in perfect waves after she's all she's done is blow dry it blow dried it without any like product or a curling iron or anything she doesn't like, she doesn't know how to clean or cook but she I, I guess that kind of makes sense but she's lost a lot of memory but not how to do that how to do a blow wave <laughs> and it's not like there's a Dyson air wrap like in the kids <laughs> maybe room. like oh yeah yeah <laughs> I came across, I have to say, I came across this article that was hilarious and I'll link it in the episode notes that pretty much takes things apart in a very funny way. And the first thing is like, is the title a pun? Uh, Like how, why is it falling for Christmas? Like she falls, but she's not falling on behalf of Christmas or due to a Christmas related injury or in the name of creating some kind of Christmas miracle a double meaning of any kind. It doesn't <laughs> take place in the fall or feature some sort of autumn specific thing. It doesn't 
really make any sense why it's called falling for Christmas. So that was a really good point, I thought. Like, it's just like Christmas. We'll just put Christmas in the title and she falls. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's like they just pulled a name out of a hat to just like, this is what they had like a few names to pick from that were very basic. And they just went, you know what? Falling for Christmas. That yeah. will do. And there's actually another movie called Falling for Christmas because. I thought the Santa character and Ralph were the same actor. Like I was convinced oh. that it was like, you know, they they were the same actor because then he'd be like, I don't know, a secret Santa or something. But when hmm. I put it into IMBD, um, came up with a completely different movie and I'm like, where's Lindsay Lohan? Like what's <laughs> happening? And yeah, the, they've already used the name Falling for Christmas for another <laughs> movie. So it's not with like. Yeah, it's not even original. And when was so that funny. movie out? It was in 2016. It's got snow on the cover of it and it has <laughs> an injured figure skater is sent to the mountains to recover from an injury. That's similar. Once there, she meets an ex-hockey player and his young daughter and begins to realise that something is missing from her life similar i think i've seen this film before <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's got a 6.2 out of 10 rating i don't know um, what that means oh Pretty i, I meant to look it up too how much this one is actually rated so far i can check right now oh it's only uh Lindsay version of this movie has only 5.2 out of 10 damn that's, i mean that is higher than it could have been i guess yeah, but it only has a 40 meta score, which is like the critics mm. and everything like that. So not the best, but, I mean, it's a Christmas movie. I think in terms of <laughs> uh, viewers, though, it's been actually quite popular. It's I think it was the number one watched film at some point uh, for Netflix. So the ratings might be low, but the uh, watchability is high. Yeah, and it was so weird how, like, when Lindsay Lohan or Sierra, like, falls on her bed and turns the TV on, Netflix are plugging another Netflix Christmas movie. Yeah, which I think came out last year. I don't know. Was it the the Vanessa Hudgens one? I can't remember which one it was, but I've seen quite a few of them. the Netflix Christmas movies, so I thought that was funny. Yeah, like a little cheeky nod, but also, like, watch this movie as well it's like advertising within like you know like in I don't know like 2000s movies there was like blatant um product placement like Pepsi yeah. or Coke like in I can't remember what it's called but it was about memories and maybe Tom Cruise but like every fight scene it was like in front of a Pepsi machine or they had like <laughs> a fancy watch or like it was just so blatant and I feel like that's Netflix kind of yeah doing that secretly I just think of James Bond with, like, citizen watches, like, very blatant. (laughs) That worked really well. Yeah. But honestly, I think, like, you know, there's Hallmark movies that have been around for ages and Netflix has been doing this for years, but this probably worked very well in their favour. Like, you know, it's it's a good relationship for Lindsay and for Netflix to make people watch more of them because, like, I wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for Lindsay. Yeah, I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah, and, like. Congrats, Netflix. Definitely. Like if you look at the Vanessa Hudgens one, she's done three of those Christmas movies. Like, so if you get into like into the, I don't know, Netflix family, 
recently, like mm. now Lindsay has, she's probably going to do a whole bunch of movies. So it was a very smart move career-wise. Mm. She's like opinion. in the family now. She's in a good place. Exactly. Like so many of the actors that do Netflix original movies, like Noah, what's his name? Noah Centineo. I don't know how to say his name properly, but he's in like the all the girls all the boys I loved before and everything like that and all the like young adult ones but he's been in like like 10 Netflix movies I want to say like so once you're in you're in. So Heather and Emily what did you like about the film to start with? Emily you go first. (laughs) I really like the pink ski suit I just thought that was iconic. Yeah I just think for me that was amazing and also singing Jingle Ball Rock again and just hearing her actually sing she's got an like, amazing voice I think, yeah because like I was quite invested in what well, I love Britney Spears it's only recently she's started singing in her like normal voice because she changed her voice because it sounded too much like Christine Aguilera and you know I won't go into the history of that so like I didn't know if Lindsay Lohan could actually sing or like if she'd not been allowed to or I don't know but just hearing her sing just brought me so much joy. So I love that. She has albums and out. Really? I knew she did songs. Yeah. I didn't realise. Oh. I think she's done an album. Yeah, she she released a song like quite a few years ago, didn't she? That I remember hearing. Rumours? Yeah, that's the Is one. Rumours? Yeah. Really? How did I not know this? But I don't remember that's her cool. voice being super prominent in it, so I couldn't really tell if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree. And in Freaky Friday, she sang as well, I think. Oh, yeah, because she was in the band. Yeah. That's a good That's a good movie. Yeah. That's a yes. Lohan movie. I think I prefer that to Mean Girls. And the parent track. Iconic. Anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah hearing her awesome... sing made me happy. And I did also like, I mean, I like bacon and I thought it was funny how... <laughs> She, like, the scene at the end when she's cooking and she just pops bacon into people's mouths. Like, I I don't know, that just made me happy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, um, what about you? And also the set design. I loved the set design. It was awesome. Yeah, I reckon if uh, the North Lodge, North Star Lodge, like, they could have just sold the Christmas decorations and <laughs> they would have had enough money to continue. <laughs> right. I saw that in an article too. I was like, I had the same thought. Yeah, it was a bit like the way that they were talking about how, you know, they were like poor, it was a bit like, um, this looks pretty nice, but go you off. You own guess. a property to start with. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. You can afford avocado toast and a property <laughs> and put bacon yeah. on it. Yeah, you can even afford to buy meat. <laughs> um, what did you guys like about the movie? Yeah, Heather, you go first. The first thing like that stood out to me was the dad because he was in he's in um When Calls the Heart, which is oh. another like super duper soapy TV show. It's like a Canadian, I think it's on I don't know if it's on Hallmark, but it, it's like very like cheesy and it's like set in the nineteen hundreds in Canada. Anyway, he's in it. And so when I saw him, I was like, oh my God. And that really excited me. And I, I liked how at the end he was like proud of her for making her own decisions. Um, mm. I thought that was good because, yeah. And I enjoyed like the parody of like 
the designer brands. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I loved that. And it's sort of like Valinyagi being Valentino slash Balenciaga. I think that sort of showed that it really wasn't taking itself that seriously. Yeah, exactly. I enjoyed that about the film. It, like, there was in there was no point in the film that it was like this is a serious movie that's going to win Oscars. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it knows knew what it, what it was. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it just seemed fun. Like, mm-hmm. it just had that sense of fun, which I don't know if normally rom coms have that, but it felt fun to watch and it felt like they were having fun. So it made me have fun. Yeah. I love it when you can sense that everyone's having a good time on the set. Like it, it that usually comes through and you definitely felt that way. Although a few times I felt like they were going to burst out laughing at themselves. <laughs> what did yeah. you like about it? Yeah, I, I agree with you too. Like I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was really fun watching it with someone, watching it with you, Emily, because just like acknowledging all the silliness, but also like we were both quite touched about it at different points in the film. Like I think it is actually a very touching portrayal of grief um, and mm. how to sort of move on from the death of a, of a loved one, but also be true to their memory. I thought it was a really nice like little side story there. Yeah, and I just think it was didn't try to be anything other than what it was. But it also in some ways was like a little tiny bit progressive because she's like a 30-something heroine in a film. No one anywhere says anything ageist or that she's, you know, getting old or needs to settle down or anything like that, um, which was kind of refreshing, um, particularly when you're a celebrity that is also a little bit older. Like she's not that old, but, you know, in Hollywood, 30-something, like, oh, no, you've got to say that you, uh, you know, your eggs are drying up and things like that, which was, wasn't was a plot point at all. So I liked that about it. Yeah, that's so true. I never noticed that, but that is such a good point. Yeah, it was just like there was other things in it that were very tropey, but I thought that was nice. And maybe, yeah, a, a good message of maybe other films should be like this. Even if you're a, a silly film, you don't have to like continue with that very tired trope. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, obviously Lindsay had like makeup on and everything, but I feel like there wasn't like anything drastically to make her look younger. No, she kind of looked the age she is, I thought. Yeah, and that was really nice to see because, I mean, I don't watch these type of movies much, but I'm just trying to think of any movie that, I mean, there's suddenly 30, which (laughs) I guess is positive, but apart from (laughs) that, you're meant to have everything worked out by 30. Yeah. And I'm 32 and uh, haven't quite worked things out yet. So (laughs) I guess it is refreshing in that way. Yep, exactly. And even the films where it is like, oh, I'm supposed to have it all together, they like trying to get have it all together and by the end of the film they've got it all together. Yeah, true. And it's not all together in the way they thought it would be all together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and on the note of uh, Jingle Bell Rock, I was reading that uh, that was actually Lindsay's decision to pop that uh, little nod to Mean Girls in there. So apparently they were going to actually recreate the dance from Mean Girls. But then they decide not to do that. So instead they just, you know, recorded the rendition for the end credits, like separately after it was all edited. But we also, you know, hear us sing it in the car. So it's really nice. That is I really think cool. they did it the right way. 
I it think would have it, been overkill if they did the dance. I think it, we would have all been cringing. <laughs> Let's be honest. Definitely. But we were cringing anyway. Like, <laughs> I like I don't care if there was more cringe. Like, I I would love to see that if they actually did it. <laughs> Yeah. Like, let's have a Falling for Christmas too, where Avi does the Jingle Bell Rocks dance, like stepmom teaching her how to do the dance. <laughs> Including all the little slightly risque moves. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a nice little blooper reel out addition. <laughs> uh, what didn't we like about the film or things that we thought were just like completely too silly in the film? Uh, Emily, do you want to start? Um, where to start? Um, <laughs> well, obviously, I've already spoken about the checks, so I won't say that again. But, <laughs> but that one really checks. got to me. I also really didn't like how Avi was at the end wanting to find her dad love because that's just enmeshment and codependency. And 100%. I just, it really graded me because she needs to be a kid. That little moment where it's like, oh, I spent my wish on, you know, having someone look after you. I'm like, no, kid, be a kid. You should have wished for, like, I don't know, a squishmallow. I keep saying squishmallow <laughs> wrong. Squishmallow. You should be asking for a Barbie doll house or a chocolate house, not for your dad's happiness. I mean, that really annoyed me. Yeah, Just I completely how agree. Common, commonplace that is, yeah. And also the doctor stuff um Mm. how they're just like you're too hard to handle we're gonna send you home I do have some experience not with amnesia but you know um I don't really know what it was but like forgetting certain things about my life or like certain things Mm. and it is am I allowed to swear yes oh yes (laughs) (laughs) okay like it is scary as fuck like it if you have forgotten who you are gonna go to some random house like they have a duty of care and that kind of annoyed me because yeah like I haven't had amnesia but I've had elements of memory loss yeah like there's no way that's a trivial oh no I'll learn who myself is if I just go to this random house and put on random clothes and wake up in a bed or a place I don't know like it could have ended up being a horror film when you when you look at it (laughs) yeah like I totally agree. But, I mean, I know we're not. it's meant to be happy and fun, but that doctor could have got sued if something went wrong. Yeah, they really didn't seem to care. And I don't know what she did that made them think, oh, she's too hard. Like, she just had an attitude, which is very, like, I know it's a silly little film, but it's very... It's a bit of a example what it's like to be a woman in the medical industry or with... Uh, heard and not being um, understood or believed or just taken seriously that in a tiny little tiny nutshell (laughs) and they're kind of like put against each other like you know Lindsay's like get me out of here can't stand the hospital food which I can relate to but like the doctor's like she's too challenging but yeah I I totally agree and it just graded me because that wouldn't happen in real life and the pandemic you wouldn't actually get a bed (laughs) in the ambulance um and if you can walk and talk they wouldn't admit you yeah Um, that's a really good point and like clearly she's fallen a great height and hasn't broken a single bone so she probably wouldn't mm. (laughs) have had as much attention there's a lot of things I don't like but those were the things that I guess because I watched it twice that (laughs) kind of got me thinking especially for the podcast, like I was like, oh, this is not setting a good example for how to help people <laughs> if they're going through something like that. 
Yeah. And on the RV note too, like one thing that uh, she was very sweet and very cute, but she's just grinning constantly. She's so happy and smiley the whole time. And like no kid is like that when they've like, you know, on the inside when they've lost a parent who seems like a very loving, caring parent. Uh, it's almost like if <laughs> if I was to have a session with this little girl, I, I can imagine I'm feeling like I have to be happy for dad sort of vibe going on mm. there. Like, I've you know, I just want to make things um, comfortable and nice for dad because he's been through a lot and sort of like that codependent, like triangulation almost like I'm actually looking yes. after dad. Yes. And, you know, like our family, like we've had, a, we have a step family and like, younger when I was younger like step parent or boyfriend or girlfriend like is a huge change for a child yeah like it's massive. not all sunshine and roses like you're a kid like be a kid like you can be angry or sad or happy like it's a mixed bag it's not all just I want dad to be happy like yeah I don't know have the pancakes and lollies <laughs> anyway yeah, she's she's not a very realistic kid, <laughs> or it could be if, if if there are kids that like her out there, they're secretly struggling big time. I feel like it's almost a trauma response. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's that fawn about response. It, but it's a fight, flight, yeah. freeze, or fawn. I feel like the most realistic character is I can't remember her name, but the grandma or the oh yeah Nana yeah because she she does seem to have like lots of emotions. Yeah. Which is kind of nice to see because I think you can be happy about a new girlfriend or parent or whatever, but you can also be sad about the past. I think mm-hmm. it was nice to see that duality. Yeah, I agree. She she also seemed like a genuinely, you know, sweet person who's just one of the best for everyone in the family, but wasn't just like tacking it on to look like everything's fine. Yeah. Heather, what didn't you like about the film? So the biggest thing for me was the fact that it was over four days. <laughs> four days. They fell in love in four days. I get it. It's a cheesy rom- romantic comedy where unrealistic things happen. But four days, all that happened in four days. Like A lot happened from her being in, in the hospital. So she was, she was only in the hospital for like a very short amount of like time. When, <laughs> like when someone goes in that kind of, traumatic experience or accident they would at least keep you overnight (laughs) like you'd think but anyway but like yeah four days for all that to happen like just so unrealistic yep and I don't know why it bothered me so much but it did the whole timeline was really strange like I think halfway through um I was like hang on how long has it been because it's either been months or not and the way they were going about it it seemed like it was months yeah, I felt like the pacing was weird because mm. it like some days seemed longer than others, but you didn't know when it was a new day or like if it was next year or, or mm. what was coming on. Yeah, and um being able to get a whole bunch of people to like a lot of people to a party on Christmas Eve <laughs> in like a day's notice. <laughs> like where they're just wait, doing nothing <laughs> with their time. And they all got stuck behind a snowplow I mean like (laughs) would all of them just be on the road at the same time and arrive at the same time like with their checks (laughs) with their checks (laughs) anything else Heather I think as well like in terms of medically speaking like the fact that she just 
had that accident and didn't have any like broken bones like mm-hmm, she hit a tree mm-hmm. yeah I personally have hit a tree skiing and I did break a bone so I know that she would have broken a bone like I know she hit her head but like she would have hit I don't know it's just fall, even falling from mm. the height she would have broken something I don't know that was just very unrealistic to me and like yeah just not accurate at all but I guess again it's a Netflix holiday movie it's not meant to be 100% accurate but just like little things like that and I think another thing that bothered me was I think overall like structure of the movie and how long they spent on each like specific plot point or like uh like way the movie was going I don't know like beginning middle end kind of thing like I feel like a lot of time to get the actual amnesia them meeting Mm, her mm. going there and then it was like very sped up towards the end whereas I feel like if they had shortened the beginning maybe a little bit they would have been able to I don't know do a bit more I don't know that's just a a really random I guess thing about the movie but yeah yeah no I agree I think the beginning like there's a lot of setup that is slightly boring but apart from her fabulous outfits which is the only thing I was really paying attention to let's be honest um (laughs) it's like exactly I I was just gonna say I was very proud that I predicted the hot cocoa (laughs) moment because I'm normally horrible at predicting things and I was like, he's like me. He's taken the lid off. He's going to spill it on someone. <laughs> like whenever I, you know, I was like, he's going to do it. I bet. And then it happened. And I was like, I was just, I was very proud of myself. But I did enjoy that. Um, I guess that, I don't know if you call it physical comedy, but I enjoyed it because you're like, this is going to happen. Like it yeah. was just, and then it I don't know what you call that in movies, but just slapstick comedy. Yeah. yeah I enjoyed that. My Valenyagi. Yeah. <laughs> so quick and I actually thought it was a real brand I didn't realize <laughs> I just, just thought <laughs> I was I don't know much about fashion brands Heather does and I just <laughs> thought it was a brand I didn't know and then when I saw that article or Heather said it's a made-up brand I was like oh <laughs> I think for me, all of that unrealisticness that is just like over the top silly. Also, the fact that no one seemed to know who she was, even though it's a very small town. There's only two hotels. Literally. She's like internationally famous, all the socials. And like she, he's got a teenage dish daughter at home. She would she would have a phone, surely. Um, and She'd be following Tad. Oh, yeah, usually. <laughs> Um, and Tad is actually, I really found him a really annoying character and I didn't find him funny at all. Like I know he was there for humor, like his whole backstory, but I just was like, okay, I'm bored. Let's go back to Lindsay Lohan. Um, but a lot of people thought he was funny, including the writer for Roger Ebert, uh, com, who thought he was hilarious. And maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. What did you guys think of maybe Tad? I think it might be like the disconnect between American humor, maybe. Mm, yeah. Like, or, um, that, that's how I try to think about it sometimes. Cause sometimes there's like that massive disconnect. Like I watch some American things and I'm like, this is not funny to me. Like maybe yeah. it's that. Yeah. I just found him really cringe and like his ending as well. I was like, you just put that in there for like, to tr- like using that as like comedy, like that yeah. she's, you know, bisexual or whatever. I was like, that's kind of problematic. Yeah. Wasn't sure whether that was trying to be like, oh, it's cool. He's bi and that's not a big deal. Or it was played for jokes, but I think it was played for jokes. Yeah. I, yeah. I took it as that. 
Yeah, because there were like heaps of like uh, I think sexual innuendo uh, moments like um, with Ralph. Yeah, I only noticed it the second time I watched it, but I just I'm just we're in 2022, and I know this has been like a shit year, but um, or queer. I don't know if it's queer baiting or using queerness as the punchline. I was a bit mm. just like. I feel like someone older must have written it and going, oh, you know, um, queer youth. Stereotypes. Generation Z just, you know, liking whoever they want to like. Oh, I don't know. Like it just it just got to me a little bit. I didn't realise it annoyed me as much as it did, but now that I'm talking about it, mm. yeah, I just, just it's not a punchline. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it I is a rom-com. As, but... Yeah, and like uh, in, in terms of if we're talking about like Hallmark movies, Historically speaking, most of the Hallmark movies are relationships between a cis male and a cis female, Mm -hmm. and there's not many, like, LGBT relationships or queer relationships. They've just kind of started doing, like, actually Jonathan Bennett, I think, who was in Mean Girls, has been in a few queer Christmas Hallmark movies. That's just a fun fact for you. But, yeah, that there hasn't been many like much representation in these in these holiday movies, and it's it's good that like they could have just done it another way. Like if they wanted to be inclusive and and add that queer narrative, then don't do it in a like a good way. Don't do it in a way that's like the punchline and just like trying to use all the stereotypes. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like if they introduced him as bi from the beginning, that would have been fine. But, like, I think just before uh, or just as she breaks up with Tad, she's like, oh, you'll be with someone before New Year's or something. And then, Mm. like, oh, the end of that sort of plot point is, oh, he ends up with his assistant by the end of the the movie. It's like it's a setup for the joke. Like, oh, he'll, you know, he'll just go with anyone who gives him attention, including a man. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Pretty off. Yeah, and I I think if they'd set him up as a queer character, and I must say, I'm talking about this and, you know, I'm not queer, so this could, you know, so I could have the completely wrong um, idea about it, but I just think if they'd set him up as a character, it was queer or bi or whatever, then it wouldn't have been a punchline. It would have been like you would have seen it, oh, he's rebound or like he's just got Mm. out of a relationship like but yeah instead the queerness was the joke yeah especially because uh like we see the assistants in the background a little bit and oh one of the assistants is Lindsay's sister as well which i forgot to mention yeah yeah but they're not a really prominent part of the film so if there was some you know more interaction because like tad's off in the wilderness for most of the movie if there was more interaction between him and the other assistant to like build up for that plot then that would make more sense too but it's just like suddenly i mean he did have the moment with ralph when they put um the snowshoes on and they talk about like size not mattering or something yes i don't know if it was but why didn't he just end up with ralph then that would have made more sense (laughs) yeah true i did love the scene where he discovers the moon landing poster I love <laughs> I love stars and you know uh, moon stuff and yeah seeing that made me laugh but that's the only thing I liked about Tad <laughs> taking the <laughs> selfie with the moon landing thing yeah uh is there anything else we want to talk about that we either liked or disliked about the film one thing as well is when she like returns back to her fancy hotel 
she's like, I'm not going to be glamorous anymore because I'm yeah. down to earth. And it's like, why can't you be glamorous and, you know, down to earth? Like, why? Like, there's there was just many stereotypes in this film, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. and you can wear the sequins and make pancakes. Yeah. That sequin jumpsuit at the end, was it a jumpsuit? I don't know what it was, but, like, wear it and make pancakes. You don't have to be one or the other. Yeah, it was like the message is if you want to be a good person, then you, you need to dress down. Um, you can't be fabulous anymore, which I disagree and she with. Had way less, yeah, she had way less makeup on too, I think. Yeah. I, like it's funny because I feel like it's not a super misogynistic film because like, you know, even though Tad's like the one she's not supposed to be with, he doesn't do anything terrible. He's just like kind mm. of annoying. And even Lindsay's dad, who's kind of the the, the business guy, isn't actually that bad a guy either like he just wants her to be happy jake's a fairly nice guy like there's no there's not a lot of toxic misogyny in the film but then there's like a lot of that undertone this is what a woman should be like they should be able to tidy and clean and stuff like that makes you more down to earth which is like a bit gross 100 percent. yeah and also that you know they couldn't afford to hire a cleaner so Mm. oh this person that's just been in hospital that was unconscious from crashing into a tree doesn't know her name. Oh, let, let's get her to put a fitted sheet on yeah. her head. Like, I can't even do that normally without a struggle. <laughs> like, and that's funny and cute. I'm like, yeah. oh, that, that's unpaid labor. She just got out of hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, shouldn't she um, be in bed resting? Right. Oh, Sierra, uh, the doctor said that if you clean the toilet, your memory might come back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that was quite funny. Like, watching Lindsay Lohan do that scene, like, I, I did find that very funny. But <laughs> just, I just thought if you've got a head injury, the last thing you want to be doing is leaning over and doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of makes light of head injuries in general. And, and the fact that she has amnesia, it's like, oh, well, the rest of you. If you're fine, so you should be fine. Like, no, that's 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 not how it goes. Yeah, I agree. Just yeah, though I must say when she, when she did the washing machine scene, I'm pretty sure there's a scene in Freaky Friday oh, yeah. where something similar happened. That's true. Maybe that was a little nod as well. Yeah, I thought that was cute. But yeah, it's just. I mean, I feel like maybe I'm reading too much into it because it is a Christmas movie. But then I think the undertones can be more uh, worse for people because it's not obvious yeah like when it's an obvious trope people like oh you know they recognize it but when it's unsaid and sneaky I feel like that's even more dangerous yeah completely agree what I thought we might do now rather than talk through all the stereotypes because there's so many we did a Christmas bingo Uh, As we were watching. And I thought it would be fun to just tick off all the Christmas rom-com bingo uh, boxes that we stamped in our heads. (laughs) Firstly, someone learns the meaning of Christmas. Did this one kind of fit? I'm not sure if it actually like explicitly did. Yeah, I mean, Sierra has her revelation at the end. Like, you know, I can't be the vice president and I've got to do something for me and I'm not ready for this, which I guess is some sort of transformation or she learns the meaning of herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. There's, there's also the, the Santa that's in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Like that's kind of a massive thing in like holiday movies, like 
you know, him him secret Santa letting them yeah. see the the meaning of of Christmas and family and love and ge- yeah, and think- giving and generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think Trixie and Cardia were like his veneers. Like he had really, <laughs> <laughs> like his teeth just looked scary. I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know. Like, can you get to be Santa's age and have like that good teeth <laughs> if you've lived that long and you're eating Christmas candy all the time? <laughs> like, maybe they were false. So I'm a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit tired now. My mind is like wandering to the no, Santa's teeth. <laughs> uh, the next one is talks to animal or inanimate object. And I think Sierra talks to the horse. What was the horse's name again? Balthazar. Oh. Yeah, yeah, ba- Balthazar or something. But it was kind of like she was pouring yeah, her Balthazar. heart out. Yeah, she was pouring her heart out to the horse and then she walks away and then mysteriously the love interest is in the other side of the barn. Yes. And he <laughs> overhears. Exactly, yes. Um, the next one is Affair. Uh, which I guess is like potential affair. They almost go yeah. towards kissing each other, but he's very respectful and says no. Yeah, because she's like, I don't know if I have a partner. And yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like it's good that he didn't take advantage of this person who she doesn't even know who he is, but it got close. It did, yeah. But she, yeah, but she can still do his housework. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the next one is dead relative mentioned. And there's a few dead parents in the mix. Yes. Uh, Do they even have names? Like, do we actually know or are they just like like ghosts of Christmas past? I feel like maybe the mum of Jake's wife was, did say her name? Yeah, she did, but I can't remember what it is now. Uh, the next one was event no one would go to that everyone goes to. Uh, I think the party on Christmas Eve probably ticks that box because how is everybody getting there? Did we see a shirtless hot guy? I can't remember seeing one. I don't think Uh, so because it was cold. (laughs) Remember there's a, it's true, but there's an outdoor like swimming pool at the beginning and the end, like um, in one of the hotels, like, and you see them getting out of the pool when they're talking to the dad, like in one of the hotel corridors. You definitely see someone in a bikini with a Santa hat. Oh, I miss that. (laughs) I miss that too. Wow, Emily. I'm impressed. She'd watch it twice. (laughs) I've seen the movie twice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a shirtless guy, but, yeah, I I would have to watch it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is someone walks in on a compromising situation. I can't recall that happening. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just trying to think. Not really. Because it was Anyone's... a pretty, like, PG movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't think um, there was a hint of actual sex at any point. So I don't think, yeah, we saw anything like that. So someone, she walks in and then with the nana or grandma crying, but I guess mm. compromising is more sex than... Yeah, but... there was no, like, I can explain. Uh, the next one, character doesn't believe in love, which isn't really... A, I don't think this one probably comes into it no one ever says not at all yeah I don't think so at all because like even though he is widower he's still very open to the 
it's been four days. Like he's already in love with her <laughs> after four days. He's pretty, pretty so into like, it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think, I think all of them are pretty solid on believing in love. Yeah. I guess it, maybe it sort of comes into doesn't believe in love again. Like for him, he wasn't yeah. ready sort of to move on from his wife passing away. So that was maybe, you know, that that's kind of his turning point of being able to have a relationship with someone else. True. Like we don't, again, we don't know right how. Person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know how long ago his wife died too. Could have been a year, could have been five years. I think it was maybe around two years. I think, how do I know this information? But I think <laughs> um, when the um, Sierra chooses her new name from the stuffed toy, I think Avi says, um, like when they get the mum's photo of this nightstand, pretty sure she says maybe around two years. But all right, okay, that seems pretty. But yeah, I'm not. Two years is it's reasonable to not be ready to move on after two years. I think agreed. Yeah, grief's a funny thing. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I feel like it's two years. (laughs) No, you're probably right. Um, the next one is fake girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance. Yeah, it doesn't really come into this, I think. But there is a fiance. <laughs> True. Uh, the next one's Christmas countdown. Didn't really come into it because the timeline was so blurry. Mm. There wasn't like a specific countdown of how many days before Christmas. Yeah, true. I mean, they were pressured for money. Like, if we mm. don't get bookings, we won't be able to keep the lodge going. But yeah, there wasn't like two days to go or anything like that yeah yeah exactly it was kind of undefined which is another uh tile on the bingo card which is christmas deadline so it sort of comes into it as well remake of classic christmas song plays yep (laughs) jingle bell rock yes um characters are with quote-unquote wrong partner which i guess sierra was with tad um characters fall yeah. on top of each other yeah the king <laughs> it was so corny <laughs> uh the next one's crazy bad family tension which it wasn't really I think the only tension was like that the dad didn't like Tad yeah yeah true that was the only like tension around it and then like when Tad was like we're engaged he was like what the fuck kind of yeah. thing but that wasn't like it wasn't, I wouldn't say that it's quote unquote crazy bad family tension. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of the regular expected family tension. I guess <laughs> there's a lot of those films where you're coming home for the holidays and there's lots of tension going on and my family's got some stuff. Like it's not that kind of film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, breakup scene, which occurs. Yes, between Tad and Sierra. And the next one is quite play- a, it was a quite tasteful breakup scene. Like it was like quick mm. and just okay, let's get on with our lives. Probably not the most realistic breakup scene, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um the next one was played by washed up actor. And I guess <laughs> does Lindsay fit that bill? <laughs> I feel I would I feel mean even like saying it, but like technically mm. yeah. Hollywood would would say tick. I think so. And, like, when she's in the hospital, they say, oh, she doesn't have any um, fingerprints because, like, she has no drug or alcohol charges Mm -hmm. or, like, something like that. I don't know if that was meant to be a moment, but I felt like it 
could have been a nod. I don't know. Like, yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But no, I think the wording was like something about not being arrested or, you know, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been, yeah. Um, she's been really good, like, throughout the years of, like, making fun of herself. Mm. Like, she's, because she's done, um, like, SNL, um, Saturday Night Live a couple of times. And I think she did it once, like, after one of her massive, like, court cases or something like that. So she's really good. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was intentional because, yeah. like, she's been quite good at, like, making a joke out of her situation. Like, she's just been really good about, like, joking about it or talking about it. So I wouldn't be mm. surprised if it was intentional. Yeah, I hope so because I think that that's quite funny if so. Yeah. Uh, the next one is fancy Christmas party or ball, which we have on Christmas Eve. Although it, it's fancy but, it, like, it's just at the lodge. But what she's wearing is very fancy. <laughs> yeah, a fancy Christmas party where everyone has checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put a lot of checks in that gold glitter sequin jacket. Yes. I love that. <laughs> that jacket is awesome. I really want it. Unrealistic job is the next one. And I think there's Tick. a few, yeah, ticks there. Like, um, I mean, it is an actual job being an influencer, but Tad's uh, one of those. And then Lindsay is a vice president of Atmosphere. And an heiress. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> and has caviar for breakfast. Oh, so gross. <laughs> I can't imagine anything worse for breakfast. Oh, me either. Like, see, even seeing it, I was like, I mean, it's very cliche and sets up that she's an heiress, but just seeing it and first thing in the morning and then with champagne, like, oh, <laughs> mm, my, my stomach was going, <laughs> nope. It's funny that because, like, who wants to drink champagne in the morning unless, like, you have, you know, a substance use disorder or something but she, she doesn't because there's no like withdrawal from alcohol throughout the film yeah like I can understand like a mimosa or maybe maybe I'm just not rich enough to want champagne in the morning <laughs> yeah that must be it because <laughs> why <laughs> lead lady wears elf or mrs claus outfit which I don't think we saw no, no. I don't think so um scrooge character was there a scrooge character um there wasn't I'm trying to think I mean the Tad, but not really. I thought maybe the dad would be, but he doesn't really end up being. Mm. Like no one, there's no one there's like, oh, Christmas is just rubbish. Yeah, true. I feel like they they set the dad up to be that, as you said, but then in the end he wasn't. Like his, yeah. his character, that's a whole other thing, his character development slash like storyline doesn't make any sense either really, but <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway. <laughs> Very good point, yeah. Uh, the next one is clearly illegal action that works out because Christmas. Uh, yeah, Ralph at the end, um, like, oh, let him go. It's Christmas because yeah. apparently he poaches stuff. That's right, yeah. Uh, and the next one was snow in warm or unexpected location, which doesn't apply to this film that's completely set in a snowy lo- location. And lastly, you're in Melbourne. Oh, yeah, actually, that applies to Melbourne right at now. the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's freezing, guys. <laughs> Why? Uh, and the last one is out of league relationship, which I guess you, I was kind of thinking you could kind of apply that to Sierra and Jake. Uh, but that doesn't seem to really be a factor. Yeah, because Jake doesn't really know who she is. I don't know. I feel like 
the power balances out a bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess overall it uh, definitely you would get bingo (laughs) if you – if this was a genuine uh, bingo game, it meets so many of the different tropes 100%. for a rom- Christmas rom-com. So congratulations. Oh, one last thing too. Who sells sleighs? Like, is there a sleigh stall in win- <laughs> winter locations? Like how many people actually use enough sleighs in order for there to be a stall? Actually, on that note, I just came up with one for the bingo. <laughs> A Christmas market. Was that on there? Yes. Yeah. No, that's not on there. Good one. Because every freaking Christmas movie always has Christmas markets. (laughs) It's funny because like in, well, I've been to Europe and twice during like Christmas season and they have like a Christmas market or more in each town, but it's not really something that happens as much in like warmer climates like ours. Yeah. I've never seen it here really. No. I guess we all want it. Oh, sorry. Right. So there's normally one at the Rocks in Sydney, I'm pretty sure, oh. but it's not as romantic because it's normally like 30 degrees. You don't <laughs> want a hot cocoa. <laughs> like I just, I don't know, I don't like doing outdoor things in summer. So I feel like Australian Christmas is just so different. Um, yeah, it's very hard to relate be, um, to. Yeah. I mean, even our Christmas in July seems too hot <laughs> for all the winter Christmas movies. I just want to sort of finish on what some of the depictions of physiological things in the film. Well, actually one major thing in the film, which is the depiction of amnesia, because it's a big plot device in this movie. And um, there's quite a few articles out there about how Hollywood uses amnesia as a plot device in a very commonly inaccurate way, often as an excuse for characters to do things that create plot tension or, um, you know, move the storyline along. And, yeah, I'll, I'll link them in, in the notes, but essentially like a really problematic trope that's used, the person who loses their memory usually needs to feel like the person they're with is safe and comfortable and often ends up being some sort of like lie or secret that happens and like do you remember that film while you were sleeping which is like from the 90s no definitely know it but I haven't seen it I think I watched it a lot like you know when I was a kid and it's this guy loses his memory and Sandra Bullock pretends like that she was his fiance but he doesn't they don't know each other at all and it's just like a weird film (laughs) with a weird concept but you know it's a rom-com there's also 51st date 51st date is a great example like he basically manipulates her into being in a relationship with him (laughs) with adam sandler um (laughs) literally (sighs) poor thing um so (laughs) What are your thoughts on uh, the depiction of amnesia? Emily, you mentioned that sometimes you have, you experience loss of memory or loss of word finding and things like that. How does it sort of relate yeah, to I, your experience? I do on and off, but um, I had it once after a medical incident quite severely, like when I couldn't remember the pin code to my phone or my date of birth, but I didn't necessarily forget who I was, but I couldn't remember like significant things like that. I guess, like, and that wasn't from a head injury. And I guess with that experience, seeing, um, and also I saw Heather's ski skiing mm. accident. So it just, it's just, it's a serious thing. 
and mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. people realize how discombobulating it is. Mm-hmm. And even if she just needs an ice pack on her head, not remembering those details would be really frightening. And for me, not not remembering when I was born or what day it was or things like that, that, that was so really scary because you know you should know it and you know you normally know it, but when you don't know it, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So I guess... I know it's a rom-com and it's a used trope, but I just think it's not, it doesn't represent that fear or that you're not like, oh, I don't remember who I am. I'm really happy about that. Um, it's it's terrifying. And I just don't think there's enough distress <laughs> in mm. um, Lindsay Lohan's depiction of it. But I don't know if I'm over, like reading into it too much, but I just think with brain fog or, remembering certain things when you can't do it like and you're aware of it it's yeah really distressing so Mm. and then being sent into an unfamiliar situation with someone you don't know I just there's just so much that makes me really icky (laughs) watching that 100% um and do not uh, do not worry about overanalyzing thing that's what this podcast is all about (laughs) (laughs) so I just keep thinking like if I was in that situation, and obviously I didn't have amnesia, but if I was put in that situation, like, and then you wake up the next day not in a familiar environment, you can't, there's no people around, like, you, where's the bathroom in her room? Mm, you don't even mm. see a bath. Like, you know, it's, you're already really um, disengaged with the world mm. and with a head injury and potential for, I don't know, more side effects. It just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just seems scarier and scarier the more I think about it. Hugely. And even the fact that, like, to me, the best course of action if if someone is going through that sort of amnesia is keep them in a safe, stable place until you can find who they are. And, you know, four days actually isn't that long in a hospital after that sort of incident. <laughs> they could have just waited um, so that she can get familiar with her actual environment that she is used to rather than like in 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 reality she would have just been so terrified to be in a strange house with strange people and I know yeah like you say it's a comedic rom-com but it's not fair to people who have experienced amnesia the people that you know provide support for people with amnesia to keep going on this sort of tropey repetition because it just kind of makes fun of it and doesn't take it very seriously yeah and like even thinking about with my experience like when I was in um, rehab hospital it was actually the routine of the hospital that helped because mm. you know at 8am you'd get your meds and you'd get breakfast then at this time you do hydrotherapy at this time you do this like that was actually really helpful because there was no unknown yeah um, that makes you feel safe and predictable yeah, even if the hospital food is bad, like, you know, you're going to get food at this time. So I think taking a person who doesn't know anyone and putting them in that um, unfamiliar environment um, and even trying to make their own breakfast, like, mm. near, like, hot ut- hot plates and stuff, like, it just, it is not realistic. No. If this movie was real, it would be just continually added trauma and distress. Heather, is there anything you wanted to add as well or from your experiences? 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that I thought about as well is that a lot in in these movies where amnesia is portrayed often, like, get their memory back, like, in one go all of a mm-hmm. sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end is, like, the, you know, happy ending. And it's like, one, she probably wouldn't have got her memory back in four days. Like, usually I think it can take a long time for some people. And mm. two... Like it, it often comes in like stages. Like it all, it doesn't just all come back at once, like magic. Like yeah. So that's very unrealistic, I think, as well. Yeah, definitely. And after calling herself Sarah and not making a connection, and then being like Sierra, yes, okay, now I remember everything. Exactly. Yeah. And I think just the the duty of care that those doctors, like that, they, they take like an oath as doctors. Yeah, and they clearly first do no harm. Didn't like. Yeah, they clearly didn't take care of her because they just let her go. Like, if she had a concussion, you're meant to like at least kind of monitor her overnight. Mm. And yeah, just the fact that she didn't break any bones as well, like that that was very unrealistic. I mean, good for her. Like, <laughs> good for her that she didn't break any bones. But like, that's not like what would have really happened. But in terms of the amnesia, I just think, like, can we just find something else to laugh about instead of people's genuine, horrifying, traumatic experiences? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And even anyone who's gone through, like yourself, Heather, who has had a skiing accident, I'm assuming it Mm. wasn't quite as um, dramatic as Lindsay's, but um, anyone who's gone through that and then having this joke made about it, that could be kind of triggering. Yeah. yeah. Originally when um, I watched it, because it, it, it's been like several years since my accident and, and most of the time like I'm, I'm pretty cool with it, like like seeing like skiing and stuff. If the Olympics are on, some things I can't watch because I'm like, ooh. But mm, seeing this and it was like, yeah, so specific that she had hit a tree, mm. I was a bit like, oh, because I hit a tree knee first. And I smashed my kneecap, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I'm so sorry, Heather. I just, even though I'd already seen it, it just didn't click. And then the st- scene started happening and she was falling down the hill. And I was like, oh, crap, I need to pause it. I forgot to warn you. It's okay. Um, yeah, like it's it's definitely like unrealistic to, you know, skiing accidents. Like the, it, it blows my mind the fact that she came out like with without even like any bruises on her kind of thing. Mm. Like yeah, like she had a little Just bit a of weird like, wrapped thing around her head. <laughs> yeah, like it's weird, but I guess it it was hard to see. But at the same time, it wasn't it wasn't like super. Like I knew that it was a rom com movie. Like when I'm watching the Olympics or something, that's a bit more real because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is actually real. Where it's like, I, don't I mean, know. there's a lot, there's a bit of green screen too throughout the film, which makes it look very unreal. Yeah, just a but... bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. And I was reading an article where it was translated, so it sounds some of it's a bit funny. But is I think it's a I think it's a physician they talked to <laughs> um, who's talking about the portrayal of uh, amnesia in films and that, you know, what you actually see if like a if someone has a brain injury, it's not usually a loss of identity. It's could be 
lots of different things. But what, what Lindsay Lohan experiences in this film is more of a fugue state or dissociative amnesia, which Ooh. is more likely a psychological response to stress or trauma not usually what happens to her. Um, and, um, you know, it doesn't sort of, he sort of says that there's lots of physical, emotional and psychological complications that would come from that, which you don't see in this kind of film. And it's also very uncommon as well. Not that that is sort of relevant, but I think um, it makes a really good case for how how inaccurate it is and also that it's also portraying this kind of thing as like a bit sexy and a bit, cute and what you might fall into but actually it's very traumatic like you say and it's yeah just completely unrealistic and that can that can cause some level of harm to people watching this film the fact that they couldn't even get the correct type of amnesia (laughs) or like brain injury that's the whole movie is centered around amnesia and they couldn't get the correct type of them they surely had researchers for this film. Like that, mm, that rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, like, that's that's a very basic Google search. Even like, like, I don't know. That that's just a very the fact that they couldn't get the correct type of amnesia. I don't know. Well, usually in the podcast we talk about lived experience, and I just skipped over that part because I don't think we would see any of that in this film. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but. It makes me think, like, from amnesia being in so many movies, I felt like adult in adulthood, like, I would see more amnesia and there would be more quicksand in my life. Mm-hmm. But there's not amnesia or quicksand. But, like, every sort of rom-com or Christmas movie, which I don't watch any of, seems to have amnesia or something similar. And I agree with Heather, like, not having it even slightly accurately depicted is pretty not good and then thinking if it's actually mimicking like more of a dissociative state would that be triggering for some people I guess you know it's it's the Hollywood interpretation of amnesia which we've seen so many times I guess it's just continuing that cycle so it's the same sort of level of harm that we've probably seen for many years do either of you think there's anything else that's harmful in this film I mean the gender roles, like yes. of her doing the cleaning and like learning how to do stuff. Like, why is that the most important thing for her to learn again? Right, and like on that note too, she ends up, um, you know, trying to figure out what she actually wants to do. But really, she just ends up with a different man and becoming sort of the household sort of mum type rather than the vice president of a major hotel. Like, what does that say? Exactly. Exactly. She just goes from being with her dad to another guy. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't there, like, a new, I don't think it's new, but there's a word that people are calling rich kids. Is it nepotism? Or I don't nepotism, know. I've seen, it, yeah. I've seen it a lot on Twitter where people are just rich people. Nepo out. babies. Yeah, that's it. What is it? Nepo babies. Nepo babies. Nepo babies. I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, why can't you do both? Why can't you be like a vice president or CEO, have kids? Like, but does she actually know what she wants? Is she just jumping female roles just because she's with a different man? Like, is she changing herself for the men? Exactly. It's like, it's still centered around a man and like she wants to 
find herself, but she's like she she doesn't actually give herself the means of discovering her kind of sense of self. She just ends up, you know, shaping her life for another man's life. And either if it's a conscious effort to sort of avoid having to look to her own, you know, sort of way of living, but it's also kind of like if she hadn't gone through what happened, she probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, she's gone through all of that in four days, learnt learnt that, you know, didn't know that she was a rich person or whatever, so she learnt how to be humble. She's, like, remembered who she, who she is and then she goes and makes a massive life decision, stays and goes with the guy and stays working there. Like, that's a massive life decision to make after you've been through a very traumatic experience, I don't know. with nobody else that you know, no other family, (laughs) like just this family that you've known for four days and not under the same sort of pretenses. And also, like, how will the guy not see that he kind of needs to take care of her because of that whole situation? And the reason why her dad's, like, cool with it is because he can see that Jake, takes good care of her which is also very like patriarchal definitely whereas tad doesn't take good enough care of her yeah Yeah. like i don't like tad but but he's still a workaholic as Mm. well i think probably reading too much into tad i don't like tad but i don't know he i think in any i'm generalizing but in a lot of the limited rom-com movies i've seen like there's always a disinterested partner who might be doing the stock market or mm. whatever's in vogue for that kind of thing. But he's he's given less yeah. value because he's an influencer rather than like a, you know, a wholesome man who, who owns a, a B&B sort of thing. Oh, there's a few things that Lindsay does, like the new version of Lindsay, which is like I've overanalyzed. For example, she makes the bed. <laughs> I don't know if you've if, like you know heard much about Jordan Peterson but he's one of those people's like make your own bed like don't do anything yeah. to you make your bed and I I'm a big I I dislike him very much <laughs> and I don't make my bed <laughs> ever like I made it tonight do I. It's in the background and that's probably the first time I've done it that you know when I'm not cleaning the house so like is baking beds the be all and end all of being like a good person and did they all read Jordan Peterson before making this film I don't know I agree and it's also I don't know if it's ableist but I feel like her Mm. worth and becoming normal was making your bed like in the morning and changing the sheets it was being able to clean the toilet it was being able to you know do certain tasks and steps yeah yeah to be therefore cured or back to normal yeah. And that's problematic too. Um, Hugely, yeah. And like I only make my bed um, when I have Zoom meetings because my bed is in the background and once <laughs> yeah. I didn't and my screen background went off and I felt very embarrassed. So, <laughs> But apart from that, like why does it matter if I make my bed? Exactly. And for uh, a lot of people who are just trying to get through the day and get out of the bed – uh, trying to put that message onto people. Like it's a very privileged message to give to people. Um, you know, some people don't have a bed in order to make it. Um, they're not no. better or worse or have less value than other people or making the wrong decisions in their life. Yeah, that whole She's mentality really me. Yeah, someone else is going to make it. 
yeah, like even if she does make it, the, um, the people, the housekeepers or house cleaners are going to come in and change it anyway because they probably change the sheets each day. Yeah, so it's exactly. Just He's probably pointless. just making it harder yeah. for them <laughs> to do their job. The way, the way she's like seen as humble because she tells the staff who are paid to do that, no, I'll make it myself. <laughs> like, mm. It's oh, literally good for their you. job to make the bed. <laughs> Like, it's literally their job. They're getting paid to do it. Like, okay. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Also bacon. Like, <laughs> I eat bacon. Um, <laughs> but is it so bad if you don't eat bacon? Like, the, the meat industry is pretty fucked and vegetarianism is pretty good. She can just, she doesn't have to eat bacon. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I think yeah, it's, I think the bacon thing, like, Obviously, like vegetarianism and veganism, they're, they're probably they will save the planet. But I saw, but I I do like bacon, and for me, I saw it as like a representation of like it's a joy. Like I don't yeah, know if you've ever yeah. been to the best BLT, like that joy, <laughs> that first bite. Like my mouth is watering right now. Like when you bite into it, there's this joy, and I don't know. It's just it's a simple joy. And I felt yeah. like it was her embracing, like, obviously bacon can just represent bacon, but I felt like it was, you know, meant to represent that kind of home style kind of joy. But, yeah, yeah bacon is bad for the planet. Uh, but I'm probably reading too much into this. No, <laughs> I, like oh, I'm I brought it up. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I was reading too much into it. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I do think it's supposed to um, be a message of she just needs to just enjoy the little things in life and and embrace them rather than you know be a certain brand or a certain person. I wouldn't mind mentioning the grief because I thought it was mm. like a slightly more accurate depiction of grief, like in a way mm. that the characters could feel happy and sad at the same time. I don't know. I kind of liked that complexity that every character was on a different page. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you sort of saw everyone's different stage of of coping I I like the message that Jake and the family didn't have to like forget his his wife and and pretend like like and completely move on from her they could still kind of honor her memory but also welcome another person into his life and into his love life and and that Sierra was also like honoring her memory as well yeah, I agree and the angel representing that mm. on top of the tree I thought that was quite special because I think often in stories, grief is very portrayed as very linear and they're mm. like, you're going to be upset. Then you're going to meet a magical person and fall in love and then everything's going to be better. But yeah, I just liked that they kind of held space for that complexity. Yeah, it was actually pretty pretty good how they portray grief, I thought, like for, for this kind of film. And maybe maybe Hallmark really are good with grief. <laughs> I don't know. But apart from the way Arvi sort of interacts and acts, I think um, it was a pretty wholesome, realistic sort of portrayal. Like simple but very relatable, I think, for anyone who's gone through it. It's not going to win any awards. No. <laughs> maybe Razzie's. Special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least it's. It was just nice to see it wasn't as black and white as it normally is. Yeah, definitely. It was nice to see it portrayed that way. Yeah. I think that was probably the the helpful thing in the film for someone to mm. take home. 
we covered so much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm proud of Netflix and Lindsay Lohan for making a film that, while isn't the best film in the world, we spoke about it for like over two hours. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared we wouldn't have stuff to talk about. Yeah, what, what? it turns out there was so much to talk about. One thing I'll ask you both is, would you watch it again? Emily, would you watch it again after watching it two times already? <laughs> Probably not, but if it was on TV, I would keep it on. Like if it was on a free-to-air channel, I wouldn't. Mm please watch it again <laughs> and what about you Heather would you watch it again um maybe like on in the background or if a friend hadn't seen it I'd be like yeah let's watch it but I don't think I'd if I was a, like wanting to watch a movie I wouldn't be like you know what I want to watch yeah <laughs> falling for Christmas <laughs> but I think maybe maybe around Christmas every year I don't know but for me personally there are other movies that I would pick before watching this one, but I enjoy it. <laughs> That's a very respectful way to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I think I would I would watch it with a family member who hadn't seen it just to like laugh at it together and watch their reactions and have the conversations we've we've been having. But yeah, I wouldn't be watching it just for enjoyment myself, entertainment. <laughs> Well, thank you both for joining me tonight. It was lovely to have you both to talk about film and I'd love to have you both again to talk about say, maybe something a bit deeper next time. <laughs> but I we, we got a that. bit deep. I, lo I love film so much. Like I am I'm a big movie fan and TV show fan, so it, it was very exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm excited to talk more with you. Do you want to share your Instagram, TikToks so people can follow you? Emily, do you want to start? Um, you can find me at Rambling Ravioli on Instagram and most other social media sites with that username. Awesome. Thank you. And Heather? Um, so on Instagram and Twitter, my username is Heathery, so Heather with an E-Y. And then my um, TikTok is uh, Heartbreak Heather. Well, thank you so much again, and I hope you all have a lovely evening and go to bed. <laughs> thank you. It was really yeah, fun chatting you. about it. It was. Thank you so much for asking us to be a part of it. You're very welcome. This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.